Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So today, the message is called, Wear the Clothes That Matter. Because we're going to dive deep into quite a bit of scripture. And if, if you've been here for one of the other services, you know I'm not kidding. Um, where God actually talks about what we're supposed to be wearing when we're consecrated to him. Okay? So we're going to figure out what kind of clothes we're wearing. If you will, in your Bibles, will you please find Exodus chapter 28? We're going to start in verse 1. And then I want you to actually go over to the New Testament and find 1 Peter chapter 2. And the Lord has something to say with the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many of you know God writes everything's on purpose? Everything's intentional. And he loves to do this thing where you get into the Gospels in the New Testament and you go, hold up. In Isaiah, that's what he was talking about. The prophecy in Isaiah, now he's talking about that in Matt. Oh, I get, I see. He's coming all the way back around. So that's what we're going to do today. All right, will you stand with me as we honor the word of God? At Legacy Nashville, we love to stand and honor the presence of God and his word. So we're going to start with Exodus chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. Call for your brother Aaron and his sons. Y'all ready to read with me? Honey, you ready to help me still with these names? Bible scholars, yell them out because I don't know how to pronounce these names. All right, let's start again together. Call for your brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu. Praise the Lord. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so that they may minister to me and be my priests. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen who I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. Hold on. Let's take a second and breathe. Let's go to New Testament. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And as we read, just let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do with these scriptures. All right, y'all ready? All right, let's go. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now we're going to go to verse 9 and finish out here. You still with me? Let's go. But you are not like that. 
For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We're almost done. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Stay standing. Let us pray. God, breathe into your word. Your word is alive, it is active, and it is doing things even right now. So Holy Spirit, be free. Flow freely in this place and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me as we read the word. Whew. I know, it's scripture. Guys, out of, out of anything, just read scripture. I feel like I could go home and just leave y'all here to simmer in whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in your brain, changing the way you think about being consecrated, already preparing you to get rid of the things so that you're wearing the proper clothes for what God has called you to do. But we're going to finish what God has started, Okay. So we went back and forth a little bit, Old Testament, New Testament. And Exodus 28, in my Bible, it's actually titled Clothes for the Priests, okay? The whole chapter. If you have ever wondered, if you have ever questioned, if you have ever for a second of your life wondered, does he really care? Does he really care how sad I am right now? Does he really care about all the details that make it really difficult for me to move on from the moment that hurt me? Does he really care about every single thing? Exodus 28 will just give you a glimpse of how much he cares about the details. He goes into so much detail about what the people being consecrated for priesthood are supposed to wear. Read it. I encourage you to read some of Exodus because it will do something in that little child in you that believed so long ago that no one really cares. It'll start to excavate that root of pain, of rejection. If you read the details that he went to, the depths he went to, to order his people for consecration. So in chapter 28, the entire chapter is dedicated to how to clothe the priests that are to be set apart for God's ministry. And in chapter 29, okay, verse one in Exodus, he says, this is what you're supposed to do for the ceremony for Aaron and his sons to be set apart as priests. In chapter 29, he goes through every single thing that is to be sacrificed on the altar and he gives incredible description about how to keep everything that's supposed to be sacrificed on the altar, you're supposed to keep all that consecrated too. Because that's got to remain consecrated over here in order for it to be holy enough to even sacrifice over here so that then the priest can be holy enough to be consecrated unto what God has called them to do. It matters. It matters what you eat 
and it matters what you watch and it matters what you listen to. It matters because it all has something to do with being sacrificed on the altar unto consecration. And today, he's going to ask some of you to leave some of that here. It can be a show that you're addicted to that's bringing up a little bit of a sinful past. It can be as big as that unforgiveness that you feel validated for hanging on to for 25 years. Because they were wrong and everybody knows they were wrong. I have forgiven them. How many of you actually don't raise your hands? I'll raise my hand. How many of you have, you have ever prayed prayers of forgiveness out of vengeance? Lord, I pray that you forgive them and you just pay them back. I pray that you get them back for everything that they did. Forgive them for being the ugly, horrible people that they were. God, forgive them. You don't show up to your counselor and say, I forgave. I forgave. I'm good. I forgave. No, <laughs> that's, that's what we call in, in uh, inner healing counseling, the root. He wants the root today for some of you. Well, he wants the root for all of us. Well, that was the Lord because I'm a little lost on the page. But hey, God's going to do what he's going to do. It's 12 o'clock, right? <laughs> In Exodus 29, you get the verses 35 and 37, and he starts talking about how many days everything is supposed to be set apart. I'm telling you, he gets detailed because being consecrated matters, okay? And he gets into details and, and he tells the people to make sure they are cleaning and anointing the altar with oil after each burnt offering for seven days so that it stays worthy of consecration. Now, this was before God gave us his one and only son. This was before we had the sacrificial lamb who gave himself on the altar for all eternity, because we don't have to come up here today when we have the altar call at the end of service. We don't have to come up here today. He don't want your jerky. He don't want your beef jerky. He don't want your lamb. He don't want anything you got. He, it does not need to look like a flea market up here. He doesn't want your stuff. In Exodus 28, he might have as atonement for your sin. But now we have Jesus the sacrificial lamb who did all of that. And we don't have to anoint this. We don't have to have Mr. Ben Abernathy coming up here. He would, y'all know he would. Every seven days, wiping with oil after my husband touches the altar, after Mr. Near is at the altar, after MP's up here just doing her worship thing. Nobody needs to come up here and wipe it with oil anymore because we have the blood of the lamb for all eternity. And he's ready for whatever you have to bring. He's ready for whatever you have to bring. In Exodus 28, he describes what priests are to wear to be consecrated because it matters what you wear. It matters that you're properly clothed for what he's asking you to do for his ministry. And sometimes in church, we look up here and go, oh, this is ministry. Y'all are ministry. We better not be it. We better not be it. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're all called to minister to wherever God has called us to be. Yeah. 
We're going to take a look at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Hold on. This is where we're going to connect. Okay, hang with me. What did he just call us? Peter's talking to a church. What did he just call everybody? Priests. You're a holy nation and you are priests. Back to Exodus. Get my papers all situated. Call for your brother Aaron and his sons. All the names that y'all all pronounced so wonderfully. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my what? Priests. Peter calls us priests that are to be set apart. So go back to Exodus again. Chapter 29, verse 29 and 30. God tells them about the close. He takes a break from describing all of the meats and the days and the hours and all the the facets of how the robes are supposed to be laid on Aaron's face so that people can correctly see the presence of God. And they can, he's going through all that. He takes a little break in verse 29, 30, and he says, hold on, set aside all of that and make sure it remains consecrated because those that succeed them will wear the same robes and garments. Y'all, that's y'all. I think it would do us good to go back to the Old Testament and get, get, some, get some yearning of gratitude for what our, the generations before us did to be consecrated and for how obedient they were to keep the garments consecrated because it says, God himself says from generation to generation to generation to generation and those that succeed them, they're going to have to wear these when I call them out. But what are you wearing today? What are you wearing today that unfits you? What are you wearing today that clashes with priestly robes? As far as I'm concerned, y'all, I read Exodus 28. He is talking about some pretty, some pretty garments. And I look at the style today, and honestly, it kind of fits. It's like long and baggy, and it's a robe, and it's got like big pants that kind of flow. And it's talking about velvet robe that kind of you just hold it. It's in style, so you might as well get it. And as far as I'm concerned, it's also holy, so I don't want bougie. I want holy. He's got a wardrobe set aside for you. Stop spending your spiritual change on stuff that gets swept up by the world. The Lord made me giggle with that, y'all. If I can just tell y'all how much I used to loathe the word bougie. I mean, I loathe that word. You can ask my husband. I was like, I don't like it. I hear it 25 times a day. I don't like that word. I'm never going to say it. It made me giggle so hard when the Lord was like, what I have is holy. You don't want bougie. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But he's right. I'd rather wear what he prepared. I'd rather wear what he prepared. And you know, the beautiful thing about what he has for us to wear is that 
it keeps us consecrated, but we don't need a payment plan to pay for it. I've said this in a couple of services, but, and I realized I dated myself so hard, but we don't need the Kmart layaway. We don't need the Kmart layaway. You don't need to put $5 down this month, $5 down next month, $5 down next month. Why? Because he done paid for it already. Nothing you have can purchase it. You don't have enough to afford it. You don't even need to worry about being able to afford it because his blood is on the altar. I don't know about you, but sometimes when things are on layaway for too long, I end up changing my mind and I don't want it anyway. You realize month after month after month of putting your money down, putting your money down. Is layaway even a thing anymore? Anyway, that's all right. Thank you rent to own, whatever it is, <laughs> but you're putting your money down, you're putting your money down, you're putting a little bit down. Six months in, you realize, actually, this ain't worth everything I'm giving it to. That's why consecration is an all-in yes. You tarry too long, you're, con- you're going to convince yourself to get back out. We live in a society right now that is saying, you are the only person you can trust. You are the best version that you can trust. Consecration is not your new layaway plan. It is an all in yes. It's worth everything. And you don't even have to worry about being able to afford it because God done already given his son. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing, there's nothing else that can compare. You can flea market this thing all you want and give me every piece of gold you have. It doesn't matter. He don't want it and he doesn't need it. He gave us his son. So how? How do we get ready? How do we consecrate ourselves to wear the appropriate robes and garments that God has set aside for us when he calls us to minister for him? How do we do that? Romans 12, verse 2. There's a couple of scriptures we're going to go through today that honestly, they just poke right to the heart of the matter. They tell you what to do. They tell you how to get rid of what you're wearing that doesn't fit in order to put on what was made especially for your body. Uh, I had this vision last night when I was praying over the message and the Lord showed me um, knitting, that some of us are knitting. We're fastening together depression and anxiety and bitterness and unforgiveness to knit together new clothes that feel more comfortable for us. You know, my Wella, she used to she used to knit for all of us. She had to knit fast. She had like 50 grandkids, so she was just I had this vision of my Wella sitting in a rocking chair just going for it. I mean that woman could make pillows in like two minutes. And the Lord said, I don't want my kids knitting so fast to make themselves clothes that don't fit. We're sitting in our chairs. We're sitting in in the backs of our rooms. We're sitting in our cars. We're laying in our beds and we're just ruminating on negative self-talk. We're ruminating on lies that the enemy has told us. Every time you do that and you don't consecrate it and leave it to God, you're knitting together a whole jacket for you to wear. 
by the time you get out of bed in the morning, you're so low and you believe so much of what's been going on in your mind, you wouldn't even recognize the robe that God's got hanging in your closet anyway. Because you're spending your wheels and your energy and your time and your focus knitting together bitterness, pride, anger, depression, control, comfort. I spoke with someone after the last service. We know them very well, and they're so dear to our family. And he said, the Lord said, I want your comfort. And I went, I'm going to share that. <laughs> he wants your comfort. Because sometimes it's like, it's like, but God's not showing up. I mean, I'm not in a sinful life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And God's like, you're a little too comfortable. What are we hanging on to that doesn't fit even the anointing God gave you, even the call God gave you? What are you holding it so close to you for? Why don't you want to give it back? Why don't we trust that God can do way more with our anointing than we can if we just hold it? It's my anointing. I heard God. We had a vision three times over. Everybody spoke it. It's mine. God's saying, I want it. He doesn't want anything in between you and him. Don't make an idol out of what he called you to do. He wants it all. So how? Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed. I mean, honestly, that's about everything. It's a whole verse, but do not be conformed. What does conformed mean? The process by which people change their beliefs, their attitudes, their actions, or perceptions to more closely match those held by groups to which they belong, they want to belong, or by groups whose approval they desire. You will be conformed by something. Just because you consecrate yourself doesn't mean you're inescapable from a human development part of life. Can I teach for less than a minute real quick? Eric Erickson, he's a psychologist from way back when. He's dead already. Way back when. Psychosocial development in children. Eight stages of cognitive, psychosocial cognitive development. He researched for years and years and years. And you want to know why people still use it? Is because after every child, every generation, it was the same. There's eight stages of psychosocial development in his particular arena. There's several other people, if you're Googling, that have different forms of social development. That's fine. Eric Erickson has eight stages. There is one called identity versus role confusion. It hits you at about age 12 to 18. In this stage, this is what in my textbook in undergrad, we are desperately seeking where we belong and who we belong to. Now, here's the deal. Don't, don't just say, well, I'm, I'm 41. I'm 41. I guess, I'm, no. Identity versus role confusion can follow you sometimes. That's why consecrating yourself to God, sometimes you need to come back. It's an, the reason I bring that up is because, as far as I know, Eric Erickson wasn't sold out for Christ. He wasn't a psychosocial psychologist in child development. He wasn't sold out for Christ. He wasn't getting great movements and revival. No, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, he was an atheist or barring on atheism. And he just, this was his God. He poured everything he had. 
is science. You cannot escape being conformed by something. So why not go ahead, get yourself straight and put yourself in an intentional space to be conformed for the likeness of God. Conformity doesn't happen on accident. You put yourself in places. What are you wearing when you get there? Do you fit in? Do you look like everybody else? Should you look like everybody else in that club, in that bar? Should you look like everybody else in that strip club? No, you go to places sometimes so you can hide. But when we're wearing the appropriate garments and God calls us to minister, and sometimes it's to deep, dark places, we stand out. But you're also covered. You stand out, but you're also covered by the priestly garments. He wants what doesn't fit you today up here. He wants you better prepared to inherit the priestly garments that are yours to take anyway. But how many of you know it's not fun wearing five pairs of pants in the same day? So don't be trying to come up here still keeping control over three of those pairs of pants and then saying you can have these two. God wants it all. You know, in Exodus, he ends the uh, chapter 29 and he, he explains to the people, this is why I want all this done so that then they will know that I am the Lord, their God. Because I get it. Sometimes there's a tension. You want it all? What are you going to give me? Can I encourage us to stop projecting our issue of consumerism onto the altar? I will give it to you and you know how much it's going to hurt me. So what are you going to provide for me? He wants it all. Not because he wants to control you because he wants to, Exodus 29, verses 45 to the end, so they will know I am the Lord their God. He wants to be known and he wants to be known by you. How do we consecrate ourselves? Dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus Christ is consecration unto the Lord. You got to sit down. You got to lay down. You've got to surrender yourself to God. I want to read James. Let me get my scriptures here. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. How do we consecrate? How do we rid ourselves of clothes that make us look like the world? Read the word and do what it says. That's what James says. Read it, do it. Because if you read it and you don't do it, you're a fool. I didn't really say that. He says foolishness, I'm sorry. (laughs) The goodness of God 
is that he's okay if with your all-in yes, you have some pain to process through after you say yes. The process of sanctification is a daily process of being sanctified to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Okay? Consecration, come today. Drop it all. Give it. Tomorrow we will wake up, we will read the word, and we will do what it says. We will not conform. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12 is actually verses of how to live to please God. Romans, Paul sometimes makes me feel so less lonely in the world, how he just keeps talking and talking and talking. And I'm like, I don't really know what you're saying, but I know, I know. I know that God was there and he's in it. Romans is a feast. Romans is a feast. If I can encourage anyone here today that's like, if you're a little bit like me and you need either an actual concordance or a human concordance, like my husband next to you to be like, there was this story one time about these brothers who were twins, but they kind of weren't twins. And they, where is that? If you're kind of like me in that way, can I encourage you to start with Romans? Start with Romans. It's a whole feast for you to how do we look like when we consecrate ourselves? What do we do? How do we get ready for the robes? Start with Romans if you can. I wasn't able to uh, share this in the other services, but there was, a, there was this thing my husband sent me when we were talking about consecration, and it kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. It's in Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 through 23. And in this chapter, the Lord is actually talking, um, he's talking to, who's he talking to? Pharisees, thank you. He's talking to the Pharisees. You see that? I'm so sorry, I snapped. I'm sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> freaking, sorry. <laughs> he's talking to the Pharisees <laughs> and he's, he's basically calling them out and he's just like, you blind fools, you blind fools. Y'all, y'all want to talk about some cut-ups? Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, he cut, oh, he cut them low. I grew up with, uh, with your mama jokes where I grew up, you know, when you were trying to cut on somebody and you were trying to be, call them out for that. Jesus didn't need that. He just told them, you blind fools. <laughs> Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. That's him. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. You cannot be apart from Jesus and be consecrated. You have to stay on the altar. You have to stay close because if you don't, it's like trying to say you are only obligated to what you gave rather than who you gave it to. If you leave depression up here today, you're not obligated to depression. You're not serving depression. It's him. 
You don't exchange wedding rings on your wedding day. I don't exchange my ring with my husband and then we're more devoted to the thing than we are each other. That's not how this works. It's not how consecration works. It's everything. He wants everything. He wants everything. And I want you, you may not be able to see this. I'll switch markers in a minute. Depression, pain, unforgiveness. I just want you to get with the Holy Spirit right now and I want you to ask him, what have I woven together to make my own garments that feel more comfortable than coming up to consecrate? What have I woven together? What have I woven together that feels more comfy, it feels safer, and it feels more like my identity? If I get rid of depression, if I get rid of pain, if I get rid of my unforgiveness, if I get rid of my guilt, if I get rid of my bitterness... I'm scared to give all that up because I identify with it so much, I don't know who I'm going to be. Can I be vulnerable for a second? That's how I felt about anger. And I was little. I was little. That's how I felt about anger. When my daddy would preach and teach to us as a family and he would tell us, let it go. God wants you to let it go. You can't hold on to anger and then receive what he has for you. You can't double fist control over your life, Michelle, and hang on to all that anger you have. Cause because then, look what happens. I have no hands to receive anything else you've got to give me. Because my hands are full. Control. He wants your comfort. He wants your plans for your life. He wants your call over your life. He wants your anointing. Some of you are afraid he's not going to give it back. Some of you have begun to, told, to tell yourself, if I leave it all there, I'm not, what if I don't get to choose what I get to wear? What if then I don't get to choose what looks best on me because I'm the one who knows what looks good? How about we go ahead and just exchange it all and trust that what he was so careful to create in Exodus 28 and then even tell his people, set it aside for those that succeed them because they got to wear them. Can we just detach and leave it here today and trust that what he created for us to wear is actually the comfiest the best fitting, the prettiest, and it's worthy of everything it's going to cost. Some of us act like each one of these cost $1,200, and the altar is going to cost me over however much that adds up to. <laughs> I only homeschooled to fourth grade for a reason. <laughs> so add that up. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's laughing too hard because he knows it's true but some of you have put but my comfort is worth 5k my comfort is worth 5k my depression I know I hate it I know it's not but it's become so much a part of me it's actually worth 30k 
my unforgiveness, it's actually what helps to continue to guard my life from people I'm afraid are going to hurt me. So that's actually worth 100K. But God gave his life and his blood. It's worth the cost. These are clothes that will fit you because you make them fit. Because you bring them with you everywhere you go. And when they start to feel uncomfortable, you just start to run that negative self-talk loop in your head and they just start to feel comfortable again. They grow with you. Get rid of them today. Wholeheartedly. Don't hold one of these in one hand and say, but my other hand is kind of open for you, God. You got to let something go in order to be ready to receive all that he has for you. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be dressed in something holy. If he done said it's already set aside for those he's calling to minister, I want it. And I want to stop spending my hard-earned spiritual cents and dollars on stuff that doesn't fit me. I have to be Michelle Ferber. I cannot borrow my husband's anointing. I cannot put on Sonia's call. I cannot try on Luke's leadership. I cannot do that. The Lord needs Michelle to wear the clothes that he gave me and he needs you to put on the clothes that he made you because we all have a part to do to minister to God's people. And it does something to the body of Christ when you finally put the robes and the garments on because then you stand next to each other and what you're building, hell cannot stop. So today, we're going to close out and I'm going to invite you to the altar. I'm going to invite those of you who are ready to completely separate and set apart yourself from things that you have fashioned together for yourself because you're afraid to let it go. I wish you could take a minute or two. And if that's you, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll have some prayer partners come up here ready to pray with you. And if you don't want to pray with somebody, you can just get yourself a space up here. But the Lord wants it all today. And he wants you to position yourself in a way that you're not trying to still wear the jacket that you've created because you're scared to let it go or because you identify with it so much. He wants an exchange. Go ahead and exchange what you've got for the clothes that he's got you because it matters what you're wearing to be able to do what he's called you to do. It does Because of what you're wearing makes you look so much like the world. You cannot fully operate in what God has called you to do. But if what you're wearing sets you apart, you will look like your brothers and sisters in Christ and be fully able to operate in the hand that he has for you to do. But it will also cover you when you stand out, when he's asking you to go to places that don't look like him. So if that's you, just come on up to the altar and get ready to give God everything you have.
tell them, take it. Because for some of us, we get to a point where we have to believe that what he has is better than what we've been hanging on to. Because it's not getting any better. Things aren't getting any easier. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.